This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So then when the, the uh, ambulance starts to pull away is really the first moment anyone gets to even think about anything. And, and in that moment, um, you know, it came together with Sean McDermott and the officials kind of led the way there. And, and it was determined, you know, just to just to take a few moments as teams to, to just process what had happened and separate and go to our sidelines and uh, just take a few moments to process because no one had had that chance. You know, I, I look at Sean and those players, all they were doing is looking at their teammate and their brother and, and hoping for the best there. That's the only thing going through their minds. I, I didn't say a word to anybody the entire time, except for TB, um, who, who knew DeMar, and, and I could tell that he was going through it. So I could just see the expressions on Jordan Poyer's face and Josh Allen's face and TB's face. And so you're processing just uh, um, you know how, how uh, awful the situation was. We separated as teams. Uh, the officials, again, did a great job of coming over to me and saying, hey, um, you know, they're, they're still trying to process this moment here, uh, Coach McDermott and their team. And so um, instead of playing telephone on separate sidelines, the decision was made just to go over there and, and make sure we're all, you know, talking together. And and I won't disclose um, any of the private conversations Sean and I had except for this. When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And so – that to me provides all the clarity because there were, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation because that's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, he really uh, showed who he was that that all his focus was just on Demar and being there for him, being there for his family at the hospital. And and at that point, um, I think everybody everything trended in the, in the direction it needed to trend, and the right decisions were made there. But um, again, just just. Uh, the way that I really felt Sean McDermott led in that moment for his players. He was there for his players. He, he processed the right way, which was incredibly difficult and, uh, and really helped us get to the, the solution that we needed to get to. Uh, welcome to Brother from Another. Uh, Vinny Goodwill is here. What's up, Vinny? Uh, good to see you, What's brother. What's going on? Uh, Hey, what's going on? It's plenty. Plenty is happening. And, you know, Vinny, I, I want to start off here with what we just heard from Cincinnati Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. And before I heard Zach Taylor speak, I looked at those two, Taylor and Sean McDermott, in the moment on Monday night, not knowing what was going on precisely, but knowing that it was bigger than football. I looked at both of them and said, 
this is what leadership is. They're not really concerned with football. I didn't even know what the conversation was, but I just knew they were doing the right thing. But to hear that from Zach Taylor now about Sean McDermott, I already have respect for McDermott uh, as a football coach, seeing what he's done with Buffalo since he's been there. He's turned that organization around. They are division champs. They're the class of the AFC East and legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I already had respect for him. But now it really goes to another level because Vinny, I don't know if you have any examples of, and I'm sure you do, whether it's sports or otherwise, people who are recognized as leaders in just one category, like in whatever their mm-hmm. industry is, they're recognized as leaders in their industry, but then something happens in the real, real world and you find out what their leadership is all about or not. Some people can just lead in what they do. Some people... It just happens. They're not even trying to draw attention to themselves. They're not trying. They're not trying uh, to be the best or do the most. They're just doing what they think is right. And it turns out to be exactly right and leads people in the direction they should go. So that really stood out to me. I don't know how you saw it. I haven't talked to you since this Demar Hamlin situation happened. Just curious about your thoughts. Man, that's a mouthful, right? on a number of levels. I, I think when you personalize it, you think about maybe friends or family um, in terms of leadership, just in terms of people who you know that in a moment's notice, in a moment of panic, in a moment where you can't prepare, where you can't sort of manipulate a situation so you can be in the best light, those people who can operate on the fly and prioritize and look at almost like the pyramid of, okay, what's the most important thing here? And what's the least important thing? And every sort of, everything else sort of corresponds beyond that. What's the most important thing right now? And that's the mark. And I think in the moment, I'll personalize it for myself in this way. I was watching the Cavs-Bulls game, you know, just, you know, on, on a different app. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. The football game is on. And selfishly, Joe Burrow is my fantasy quarterback and, you know, it's this mm. fantasy championship and all that stuff. And I just needed like 12 <laughs> points from him. So I was like, I'm like, oh, I need to check on this. And then instinctively you go to, t- you go to Twitter and they're saying, oh, prayers for, you know, DeMar Hamlin. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, what happened? Because you don't know. And they never showed a replay. And thank goodness, right? Right. I, right. I think right. I only saw it. I only saw it once. And... Unfortunately, the thought is you you see it, you see an ambulance out there. Football has desensitized us to thinking that if you just cut to it at that particular time and you see an ambulance out there and you yep. don't know what happened to that player, you're thinking, okay, the show is going to go on. You don't mm-hmm. think that anything is going to stop the game. Like there's a saying from this Wesley Snipes, uh, Woody Harrelson movie, Money Train, and like the pit boss or whatever, he says, nothing stops the money train. That's what it feels like for the NFL. Nothing stops the game. I've seen Reggie Brown from the Detroit Lions in 1997, you know, in the last game of the regular season at the Silverdome with, with Detroit against the Jets, you know, had a, a was almost paralyzed or was paralyzed, you know, for a short period of time. And they, you know, there was a report that he lost breath and they had to, you know, get him back in order and everything else. And they went on and played the rest of the game. Like it was mm-hmm. a severe situation, but you remember those moments. 
So the fact that there was a sense of perspective, the fact that, you know, and all credit to, you know, ESPN takes a lot of hits from a lot of different people, but credit to, you know, the Booger McFarlands of the world and the Ryan Clarks and all those guys taking yeah. a step back and saying, man, yeah. we're done playing football tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that sort of thing when usually nothing stops football or nothing stops the TV presentation of football, at least. Once the game gets started, it's going to keep going. And I think, I won't even say it's a power of the players, but I think the proximity of the players to one another was much more prevalent than anybody in the box or anybody in the owner suite or anybody that that removed well, that was moved in a certain level of, of distance. You know what I mean? To see Zach Taylor and McDermott there prioritizing, you know, the health of this young man, which is still very critical right now, right? Still very critical. Yeah, that's right. I think it shows that there's a level of humanity that maybe we've forgotten about, not to go on soapbox or anything like that. You know what I mean? But it's a level but, of humanity yeah. that sometimes that sometimes we forget about. And it's a level of humanity that sometimes people close to it forget about and you get jarred back into reality. Yeah, you know what, Vinny, it's, it's a great point about football and the sensitivity or lack thereof that it brings about. And, and, and football fans like you, football fans like me, like all of us, we just get so used to over the years, wherever you started wa- watching football, whatever your first football watching moment was, whether that's, you know, seven years old, 10 years old, whatever it is, you have rolled with the game and have gotten used to certain things that happen in the game and you say, okay, this is a part of it. We'll keep going. For example, you know, back in the day when the other Kurt Warner, uh, not the quarterback, but the running back, Kurt Warner for the Seattle Seahawks when they were in the AFC. So they played in a very awful facility known as the Kingdome. It was awful. Uh, a, a lot of awful facilities that had that that turf, like the vet used to have it in Philadelphia. Uh, the Kingdom had it. There were a lot of them just had these just awful painted on this painted green cement. That's really what it was. And football players used to play on it, and it was not very secure. So I remember when Kurt Warner, he was one of the first guys to do it, who planted in the AstroTurf and blew up his knee. And so now. We've gotten used to that. Okay, now we see that. Oh, we see a guy go down, he buckles, nobody hits him. Oh, that's an ACL. We figure out an ACL. We figure out uh, when guys start start, uh, concussions. And we know what fencing is now because of concussions. And we know a hit to the head and what what, what that could mean. All these things that we've gotten used to in football. Hey, here comes the stretcher. It's it's baked in now. It's all baked in now. Oh, stretchers out. That means certain things. A stretcher means certain things, a certain thing. A tent, well, that can be managed. And here's the other dangerous thing we've gotten used to because we've seen people manipulate it, but we're, as a football, as a football watching uh, populace, we're going to get stung by this. It's going to be a bad look for all of us, especially those who are tweeting about it. We've gotten used to players in two-minute situations when, tra- when their team is trailing. We've, we've gotten used to players sometimes going down. And fans will boo. Oh, you're faking an injury. You're faking an injury to buy yourself time. But we don't know that now. Like, we don't know what will happen because we haven't seen this before. We haven't seen a guy stand up after making a tackle and then collapse. And then here's an ambulance on the field. And we know now CPR. They're performing CPR on the field, Vinny, where his teammates 
can see him and hear him. They hear the uh, or hear the medical professionals around him. We don't know what they were saying with those medical professionals. And I'm talking about who saved his life. Mm-hmm. What were they mm-hmm. saying? What was the urgency? I mean, that is a lot. That's a lot for players to process. And now for us, we've got something else to think about. Uh, and and unlike the other things, Vinny, can't I can't imagine us just moving on as usual. Okay, well, hey, maybe it was like the Damar Hamlin situation. No, that's one of those things that just kind of you got to sit with that for a while. You're not really sure where do you go from here after seeing that. And and the last thing I'll say on this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. That's why Robert Sala, what he did, and his team meeting with the Jets, I think, is probably one of the smartest coaching moves. Robert Sala brought the brought the players in and turned the floor over to them, and just let them talk as players. What does this mean to them? How did they see it? What does it mean for them going forward? Their last game of the season against Miami, and and the doctors were in the room, and Sala said he allowed the players to you know players had questions for the doctors ask questions. I think that's the healthiest way to move forward. Notice I didn't say get back to normal. There's a a new normal for football players, and I just wonder how they will, what what that is for them after seeing this. Because it's just like, it's it's a landmark moment. It's funny you brought up the the AstroTurf thing. And although this wasn't caused, and it'll pivot in two different ways, and I want to see what you think. Football brings in so much money. Like everybody gets out the pom-poms when the ratings come out and football is king and everything else. And they put out the pom-poms as if they making money off of football, right? I, I, it's a little weird for me, right? But football makes money hand over fist and you brought up the AstroTurf. And they've elevated the playing surface to field turf, which I guess is a step above cement, but not real grass. And right. for all the money that football brings in, the fact that they don't have adequate playing surfaces, equal playing surfaces for every, you know, all 32 member, you know, franchises and that players are already under a certain amount of body stress and you don't invest in that way. And the fact that the players could see in this instance that, Hey, if we say we don't want to play, they don't have anything that they can say. They can't put in a bunch of schmoes and Cincinnati Bengals jerseys or Buffalo Bills jerseys and just say the show goes on. I wonder if this will be a a sea change of sort, an inflection point uh, of sorts for them to realize, I won't say the power that they have, but to realize, okay, this moment can mean something. Maybe we can leverage this moment in a way that we could never have leveraged a moment, even throughout the whole, you know, George Floyd, it takes all of us putting it on the back of a helmet, you know, like yeah. their working conditions, right? That's the first point. The second point, Michael, is a bit scary. We don't know what caused him to go into cardiac arrest, right? We don't know that our instinct is to say that football causes this, right? Mm-hmm. Our instinct mm-hmm. is to say that because Football causes the concussions. It causes the ACLs, the Achilles, the everything else, right? It causes all of that. My thought kind of drifted to, could this have happened anywhere to this young man? And it just so happened to happen at 9 o'clock 
on a Monday night while he happened to be playing football where there were there was an ambulance and defibrillators and all these other medical equipment that might not have been around if he were anywhere else in the world, right? Maybe maybe if he was on an airplane, they'd have that, right? But our 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 instinct, and I heard someone blame T. Higgins for the head and everything else. We're not doctors. We have no way of knowing what in no particular idea. caused right. this. That it, it's so unfair, but and it's so unfair to play the what if game. But I do wonder if this thing could have happened anywhere and hopefully prayerfully he makes it out. Could this have been, I won't say the best place for this to happen, but if it happened anywhere else, what would we be talking about right now? Yeah. And and I've heard, I've heard um, a couple of doctors describe the condition. Once again, got to be careful with this. We don't know. We don't know what caused it. We do know that uh, apparently he was resuscitated on the field. This is this is every time I say this, it just gives me chills just saying and I think yep. about it. He's yep. resuscitated on the field. Think about it. they said they restored his heartbeat on the field. Come on, you can't just move on from that. No, just that th- that statement of that 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 phrase alone. His heartbeat was restored on the field. We're okay. conditioned to move on. We're we're conditioned. Yeah, you can't as a society and, and, to move to move forward. Let but alone not football. with that. Not right. from that. Not from that. I right. think that's just that's just too difficult. And of course, if you witness that, you cannot play football that night. That's it. Done. Forget it. There's really no discussion. And I don't know. Only uh, only the leaders in the NFL and their and their consciences understand what the truth is. Okay, you got to sleep. You got to sleep at night. So whatever it takes. If you're telling the truth when you had that midnight press conference, you said it was never a consideration and continue the game, but that's the truth. Okay. You say it's true. I'll live with it. But if there was ever a conversation about, Hey guys, why don't we wait another 10 or 15 minutes and see if we can play this game. Shame on you. Shame on all of you. If that conversation happened, I don't know that it did, but his heartbeat was resuscitated on the field and apparently on the way to the hospital. Oh, wow. I mean, Vinny, that, that is just so frightening. But uh, some doctors have speculated that one, uh, there's a condition that happens often when uh, in hockey, baseball, not, not usually in football, where a puck just jumps up, puck, puck going at a really high speed, uh, jumps up and hits you in the chest. And just at that, that blink, the blink of an eye, the heart is vulnerable and it causes you to go into cardiac arrest. And the same thing in baseball. It doesn't happen very mm. often, but mm. but some speculation is, hey, maybe that's what it was. You know, you get hit at just the right slash wrong time. And and that's what the uh, that's what the issue is. But going forward for for anybody is not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy scheduling wise. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's not going to be easy psychologically for the Bengals, Bills, or any other football player who they played their games. They're they're waiting for the final game of that week, and they see that happen. And now you're supposed to get ready to play on Saturday for some teams and Sunday for others. And practice. You're going out to practice today. That's going to be hard. I think I think you brought up an interesting point about. Uh, Robert Salah, uh, coach of the New York Jets, and bringing his players into a meeting room and asking them their feelings. 
And I think football is a completely different sport in terms of, you know, vulnerability, right? In terms of interpersonal vulnerability, right? You go out there and you literally have to trust the guy next to you to keep your hair from being knocked off, right? That's just the state of the game. And there's also an element of suspension of disbelief, right? Where you walk out there and you know that something crazy can happen on any given Sunday, any given play, any given minute. But you block that out of your mind to play the game. You block that out of your mind to do your job. You leave that vulnerability at the door. You check that at the door in a way before you put those those pads on, before you put that jersey on. And now you're opening up that door to those vulnerabilities that maybe you only talked about with your relatives. Maybe you only talked about with, you know, very, very close people. Maybe you don't talk about it at all because once you open that door, you can't close it. So to your point about, you know, how do people move on? There's going to have to be a lot of internal negotiations that players have amongst themselves before you move forward in a way that you've never really had to discuss because now it's communal. Now it's not just you having this conversation with yourself. You had this conversation amongst 53 other guys and coaches and you're having this conversation in front of the world and watching this in front of the world. Like that's, it's a layer of this that, you know, this onion has not been peeled all the way back and we won't see like sort of the lasting effects, even if it looks normal and it looks regular, we won't know what, what the real true effects of this is for, I think a little bit. That's right. That's right. And I'll say this before we, uh, we take a break here and, and, uh, and resume, brother, from another in a couple of minutes. Uh, Dorian Glenn is, is the uncle of DeMar Hamlin. So DeMar Ham, uh, Hamlin's uncle, Dorian Glenn, initially said he had his heartbeat restored on the field and on the way to the hospital. A family clarified and said, no, it was on the field, and, and that was it. So just wanted to, I want to clean that up. Heartbeat restored on the field, which is shocking enough, but apparently there was not another incident of that on the way to the hospital in Cincinnati where he remains. Brother from another, with Vinny Goodwill, the great Vinny Goodwill. We'll be right back after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
All right. Hey, hey, this is something we talked about yesterday. Mike Florio uh, posting this story on Pro Football Talk, but uh, it's Florio and others. We've all had the same thought. What happens? What happens now? Uh, the Bengals-Bills Monday Night Football game uh, was, was postponed, and it's not going to be played. Well, at least not going to be played this week. That was from the commissioner. So that leaves the, Miami, uh, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals unscheduled to play 16 games. That leaves the Buffalo Bills unscheduled to play 16 games. They're both in the playoffs. The Bills have won their division. The Bengals are in line to win their division. So it really is a seeding thing. They both, I, 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 three teams really have a shot at the number one seed. Mm-hmm. The Bills, the Bengals, yep. and the Kansas City Chiefs. So this game really had uh, implications before we, before the focus <laughs> became what the focus should be. We were thinking, okay, what will this game tell us about the AFC hierarchy? So there have been lots of lots of theories, lots of solutions uh, by amateur schedule makers. I've thrown my hat in there too, Vinny, about what to do with this game being canceled. Now, one of the craziest things I heard last night, I don't know if you know Chris Gasper. Uh, Chris Gasper, I've known him for a long Boston time. Globe. He's a columnist for the Boston Globe. Chris Gasper, I was on TV with him last night, and uh, I, I want to give myself credit for being a professional because I was about to, you know, if the cameras hadn't been there, <laughs> I might have said um, some things, uh, a, a word, throwing a, a word at the beginning of the sentence, are, bleep, are you crazy? <laughs> Have you lost your mm, mind? What the mm, is wrong with you? Chris Gasper said last night on TV, he said that the Buffalo Bills should be allowed to forfeit. So that's 15 games. They play in a regular season. So they got 15 games. Don't play this. Mm. Forget about the Cincinnati game. Forget about the New England game, which has playoff implications. Well, it has playoff implica- implications for New England and playoff implications for Pittsburgh. So the Patriots should not go to Buffalo. They should go to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. But the Steelers are supposed to play the Browns. No, no. Gasper says, no, the Steelers don't play the Browns. The Browns, you're done for the season. So y'all play 16 games too. So it's Steelers, Patriots <laughs> for the right to go to the playoffs. So I... Hey, we have we've got all sorts of, of theories and, and machinations going on with that final spot, what, how it affects the number seven seed. I think the best way of doing it, Vinny, and it's not the Gasper way. I think the best way of doing it is really playing the games on Sunday. And and Florio mentioned this yesterday that there was a pandemic plan of going by winning percentage. So one team has 16 games, one team has 17 games. Just go with the winning percentages and you go from there. It's not perfect, but it's the best way, I guess, to move forward in an unprecedented situation. What do you think? There's no easy answers. You know what I mean? Like there are, there's no easy answers that will seem fair. Like from a, if, if from a completely impractical standpoint, from a purely financial standpoint the money's been the tickets have been sold right the tv ads have been sold so you don't have to necessarily replace a game for financial purposes right that time was filled i'm not sure what you do after this week because every everything is my opinion 
leads to the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is on what day? It's what, February, what, that, that the Sunday before, um, shoot, I can't think of the, can't think of the day. But there is a week, there's a gap week, right? Right. Between the, right. the championship, respective championship games and the Super Bowl. It's February 12th. February 12th is when the game is, is scheduled to be played and you can eliminate the gap week. And that's been, that's not unprecedented. That happened um, in, in 2001 after 9-11. Could you play the games as scheduled this week? See exactly how, you know, I'm, I'm not sure who Cincinnati plays. Like, forgive me, I don't have the schedule in front of me. The Ravens. But, they play the Ravens. Oh, see what, happens, see what happens in each team's respective game and see if you need to play that game. See if you need to replay that game. Push everything else back or have the option to push everything back now. That goes into to, to the TV schedules, right? That goes into everything else, wild card week and, and who gets the first round by and everything else. That that gives other teams a extra week of rest that they might not have had otherwise, that they wouldn't have had otherwise, right? They, some some teams will get, you know, two teams will get two bye weeks, essentially. I don't know if that's practical, right? But I do think you can take a wait-and-see approach after this week maybe play the winning percentages game, maybe see if maybe the Ravens actually beat Cincinnati and see what see what that leaves everything from that point and then consult both teams and go from there. I don't think there's a severe rush to make a long-term decision in a 72-hour time frame. Sometimes, and, and this is why I give the NFL a little bit of grace going back to not canceling the game or calling the game initially. Roger Goodell got a lot of power. I don't know how much say he has or how much knowledge he has in real time if someone's getting CPR performed on him. How mm. serious it actually There has to be a gap in time. You know mm. what I mean? There has to be a gap in time with information getting to him and understanding the severity of it. Once again, because he doesn't have the proximity that I talked about in in the first, you know, in, in our in our first segment. Same thing sort of happens here. Right? Where let's see what yeah. happens. And let's see what happens. Let's lead up to Sunday night. Lions and Packers and everything else. And if everything by that point is decided, maybe you don't need to. But if you still have to decide something, consult both teams and see where you want to go from there. That seems to be the most practical thing as opposed to making a hard and fast decision on Wednesday. Yeah. Do you think um you think the Buffalo Bills should be allowed to forfeit this game. It's never happened before in the history of football. There's never been a forfeit in NFL history. And the closest we've come, actually, you know, this is crazy. The closest we've come to a forfeit, it was like a, a it was a airlines. Somebody out there says, I know that's right. It was an airlines mistake. So 2019, Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Patriots in New England. And their equipment is not there. All their helmets not there. And it got diverted in New Jersey. They were able to get it from New Jersey, not that far away. Uh, four hours, four hour drive, uh, four hour drive as Winston Wolf says, four hour drive. I can do it in two. <laughs> you know, let's get there fast. We need this equipment. And so they didn't have to forfeit. But if they didn't have their equipment, Kansas City Chiefs, they would have had to forfeit a game. Uh, in New England. So after all the things that have happened, 
you think about in the history, the long history of football, social unrest, presidential uh, assassination. Uh, I mean, president being shot uh, in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan, like all these things yep. have happened wars <clears throat> and they've never, they've never had a forfeit. They've had some games postponed. They've had some games pushed around, but never a forfeit. Do you think Buffalo should be given that uh, given that privilege? If they're not ready, if they're not mentally and emotionally ready to play, you think they should be allowed to forfeit? So, so answer me this question. Would forfeit show up as a loss on their record or would it show up as 12, three and one? I think it's a loss, right? Wouldn't that be a loss? But you okay, know, no, no, I was just, I was just, I was just taking for, for clarity's sake, right? Because that yeah. that changes the math on potentially getting the number one seed, on getting that you know first round by where you go, who you play, the importance of this, you know, final regular season games. Yeah, I, you know, maybe they have the option to forfeit, but again, you're they're still going to have to play next week anyway. They still got to play on Sunday anyway, right? This Sunday isn't a bye week for them. Like, if well, there no, are no so, I'm saying, but I'm talking about a four. I'm talking about a forfeit of the game up, coming up on Sunday. Against oh, the Patriots I thought you meant home. forfeiting. I, I thought you meant forfeiting. No. Oh, no, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about their game. They said, "Look, we're not playing." And and I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's been discussed. If that we don't know. The the Patriots mm-hmm. had availability today. They had availability yesterday. They canceled it. The Patriots did. Yeah, I heard. Then that, they yeah. had availability today. They canceled again. Now, the New England Patriots are not really known for being warm and fuzzy and uh, open with the media. They just don't do that. Uh, they don't. That's not their thing. That's for other people. That's not for them. So to have them cancel availability is not out of the ordinary. Except sometimes they cancel because they've got information and they don't want to share it with you, and they don't want you to ask questions that they know the answers to, but they don't even want to go there. I, I, I'm just wondering, just throwing it out there, I'm wondering if they've, have, they've received some information about how Sunday's going to go. Maybe Sunday's a little different than expected. I don't know, but I will say this. I don't think uh, Buffalo should forfeit, and I know a lot of people haven't been talking about this because the focus is on Hamlin, I think the Buffalo Bills, when they play their next game, are going to be amazing. <laughs> I think I think the Buffalo Bills mm. are going to play at a very, very high level. And that's not that's no disservice to the serious condition of DeMar Hamlin. It's really it speaks to how much these players love him and how much they're supporting him, how much the community is behind them, how much the NFL is behind them. You can go one or two ways. You can say, look, we're not ready to go. And and it's just not the time. Or you can say, we're not, we haven't forgotten him. But we're going to honor him. We're going to play football. We're going to play our best. And, and I feel sorry for the Patriots. If they play that game, I don't think the Patriots going to do well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe the Patriots should forfeit. Maybe the Patriots should forfeit this game because I think Buffalo's go. I think Buffalo's go put it on them. If they play the game, uh, it, it might be their best game in the season. There's a saying. Um, it says grief is love with no place to go. Mm. And 
perhaps to your theory, if there's a place for them to express their grief through concentration, through aggression, through physicality, through playing the game of football, you could very well be right. That's right. I'm going to talk some hoops. I'm going to talk some hoops coming up. One of the best in the country to do it, Megan Triplett. The Yes Network's going to join us coming up next. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, uh, I know Vinny Goodwill has in his feed today that he may have to eat his words about the Brooklyn Nets, and I'll have to eat mine too. Okay, I'm not going to let Bro- uh, Vinny out there on uh, out there on a limb by himself. Uh, the Nets have won 12 games in a row. Jock Vaughn doing that thing after Steve Nash started Brooklyn off on a very rocky road. Brooklyn... Looks like one of the best teams in the East, if not one of the best teams in the NBA. We got one of the best, as I told you, one of the best reporters, on-air personalities in the league. Megan Triplett is here. What's up, Megan? First of all, good to see you. What's up? What's up? Thanks so much. It's good to see you, Michael. I haven't seen or talked to you in a minute, so I'm really excited. Vince, I saw on the road a couple of weeks ago. Um, I haven't seen you on the road yet, and like in person. I need to like get you in person, whether that be a Brooklyn Nets game, or just something. We got to get everybody together. Yeah, we do. I can't leave in Boston. He ain't leaving Boston. He ain't leaving Boston. I, I will. Yes, I will. I will. I will. Come on now. We can do this. And, and Brooklyn's just right down the road. We can make this happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, we, we got to do some housekeeping here because the last time the brother from an, another audience saw you, you were working for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Tell people what you're doing. Brag about yourself a little bit, and then we'll talk some. Uh, then we'll talk some nets. Oh gosh, you have. To, of course, you have put me on the spot about this. Uh, but I'm no longer with the Grizzlies. I am now the sideline reporter for Guest Network, and so I'm the sideline reporter for the Brooklyn Nets. It has been like a crazy uh, whirlwind of the last couple of months, um, moving really quickly and getting here. Um, you know, you guys know Memphis will always be home. Uh, the, the Grizzlies will always be the home team, but it was time for a new chapter, a new adventure. And so now I talk about the Brooklyn Nets all day, every day. And so you can't think of a better team to talk about, especially now. Like you mentioned, they're on hey. a 20 streak. Hey, hey, Vinny, last time last time Megan was on here, she was talking about uh, she once lived in Connecticut in the snow. 
the snow was just like not not feeling. She wasn't feeling the snow and not shoveling and all that stuff. So now you're in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's January. It's January. It's coming. Here's okay, the, I'm gonna let you know. I'm in the city, so like I don't have to shovel still. Like you know, I there's like other people who would shovel, so I'm not in a place where I have to shovel myself out of a driveway anymore. I didn't bring my car with me, so I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to clean off a car, so like I I still like helped myself out a little bit. It's still okay. Brooklyn, New right. York. It's still it's still it's still Brooklyn. Like like let's be perfectly honest. Still- that's that, that, look, that's a touristy place. I'll just say that. I know all the Brooklynites who weren't born there and now all of a sudden calling themselves Brooklynites and everything else. That, that's like that's like East Coast Atlanta. That's what Brooklyn is. Nobody's actually from there. Y'all just happen to live there. So speaking of transplants, Megan, has Jock Bond transplanted, you know, a brain, Ooh. a heart, some a, a sense of pride? What has been the biggest change besides, I guess, availability for the, the two main stars? Has it been something, you know, tangible that you can see or is it just something as simple as effort? You know, I can't, we have to remember that we can't call Jock Bond a transplant because he's been with this organization for many, many years. And I do think that that helps in this process when it comes into like stepping in and being the head coach because he knew a lot of these guys. He's seen, he's been around the block. He actually, he, he played for the Nets. Um, back in the day when he was a player too. And you know, he knew Sean Marks before coming in. So I think like he already knew the culture of Brooklyn. But when you look at what he's done since he kind of took over, I think a lot of it is just the guys sitting down and being completely honest with themselves. And the thing about Jock Bond that he's so great at, he's so captivating. Like I really, really recommend like listening to every media press conference or all of our sit down, he's like captivating. And he keeps things very, very simple. I think this team went through a lot those first couple weeks of the season. And then when Jock Bond stepped in, he just kind of simplified things, as he said. And I love what he told us the other day is that when he looks at, the, at these players, he takes them each as individuals, and he doesn't look at the relationship as a group. And so he really took the time to kind of like sit down and talk and have honest conversations with each player. And I think you're seeing that out there on the court. Of course, availability is the biggest thing, health and time. And the guys kept telling us, give us time. We will definitely get there. But I do think Jock Bond has to get all the credit because sometimes you, you just need that leader to kind of bring everyone together to kind of understand the game plan and to kind of bring back the focus. I'm, I'm curious about two guys just from your perspective. You see this team, you know them as well as anybody. Two guys from what you've seen uh, so far. Tell us about Kevin Durant. Tell us about Ben Simmons. <laughs> well, let's start with Kevin Durant because he is having like a career like no other, the numbers he's putting up this season and the numbers he's putting up like in the month of December was like absolutely like just flabbergasting. You couldn't, you couldn't even think about how is Kevin Durant still wowing us when he's had the career that he's had. And even KD said, you know, he's taken the time, especially during the off season to like work on his game. You know, we think he's perfect, but he's always taken the time to like study the, the, the game of basketball and how he can be better and also taking in that the steps of, you know, I'm gonna be a different type of leader within this locker room and this group. And you've seen him just be so focused, you know? Um, I think KD, kind of, in, our, in our heads, it comes easy because it's like, it's Kevin Durant, like, you know, it's, 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 it's who he is, but you've seen him just kind of take a different type of role this year, especially since they had a lot of guys in and out of the rotation. And you can also see how he has improved his game. And that's why he has numbers like he does have. And when it comes to Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, the best thing that I think 
that I've seen for Ben Simmons is that you can you can feel that he's happy and you can feel that he feels, you know, like just like he belongs with this group and that he fits within the puzzle piece and he knows and understands the role. And that once again, that goes back to Jock Vaughn. Um, Jock has talked about it. Like he makes sure that he has conversations with Ben, even when Ben was out and he was injured. He said, I make sure I sat down and had still had those type of conversations with Ben. Like, how is he doing? How's the recovery process like for him? What is he seeing out there on the court? And I do think that for Ben, you've seen, you've seen him fit into this like big three puzzle piece between KD, Kyrie, and Ben. And I think we're going to see a whole lot more because they're still getting more playing time. You know, they, they still haven't had as many minutes out there on the court, but you've seen it improve like game by game. It's funny, Megan, that you talked about Jock Vaughn in your first answer. That's like a metaphor that I always use. And, and Holly always sort of cringes when I go to relationship metaphors because I bring up uncomfortable oh, no, no, songs no. that he likes. No, 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 come on. No, no, come we on, not, bring it on. No, we, we, we not, we're not doing the Jagged Edge thing. But there is the there is the okay. new boyfriend thing, right? Where you're listening to the girl and she's saying all the things that the last boyfriend <laughs> did wrong. He didn't call me after mm. work. He didn't order flowers. Mm. So Jock Bomb coming in with attentiveness and sensitivity and all that other stuff because he saw what the last one did. He was like, that will not be me, right? Here's yeah. my thought as I turn it over to you. And, and by the way, Betty, just to continue that, continue that. He was around. He was the friend who was around mm -hmm. when the boyfriend was there. So he was like, hey, if, if, if I were with her, I wouldn't do it like this, but he's sitting there. He's sitting there quiet, waiting for his opportunity. He's seeing the boyfriend make all these mistakes up close. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I like that. Keep it going. Keep it going. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Megan. Go ahead, Megan. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I want to hear more because I Holly knows this. I love to um, to relate sports and basketball to relationships because I feel as if those are two things that are equally so important to me in my life too. So I love this. So please keep going. And I get where you're, I get where you're going with this. And Jock and Steve Nash are good friends. And so I know that it's kind of confusing to probably quite understand. And then you see how things have changed. And sometimes you just don't understand certain things. It's just like, it is what it is. And you can still have that friendship and you can still, you, I don't think the word like mistakes it's just when you step into a position, the right person. And I do believe that everything is supposed to happen when it's supposed to happen. Everyone's supposed to step in when they're supposed to step in. And so I just think that at that moment, you know, Jock Vaughn was meant to be the head coach. And it's a great piece and it works. Hey, look, Quentin. You know, you know, I got it. No, I got it. I got it. We're thinking the same thing. Go ahead. Quinn went from bagging on merch about uh, Shelby to marrying Shelby. I totally exactly. get it. See, that is exactly. uh, see, Peacock. We plug in. Right? I know Peacock. Okay, cool. Hey, best man. Final chapters. Hey, great. Check it out. And uh, just, and, and hopeful we will night. have. We may have. We may have someone from the show. There's a little tease. We may have some from the someone uh, from the show on either this week or next week. So stay tuned. But you said they're close friends, Jacques Vaughn. And Steve Nash, of course, they're close friends, right? Isn't that the relationship analogy too, fellas? Your replacement is already there. You know your replacement. Your replacement is already around. Woo! I need to, I need to be looking because I've been looking for replacements. Y'all need to tell me where these replacements are hiding because that's not how it always works. I have no idea.
Hey, I'm, I'm gonna you, like, I don't I don't date friends of friends. Like I don't get that ain't my get down. But I know people who have, and I know people who do. And let me just say, ugh. But to the <laughs> to my to my last question, Megan. To the last question, seriously. I've long thought that Brooklyn was a tier below Milwaukee and Boston in the Eastern Conference. I'm wondering, is that me holding on to my first impressions of the Brooklyn Nets and not buying into what I see? Or are there still some hurdles that they have to clear before they get that level of validation? I think it's buying into your first impressions. And I don't think like, I don't think any of the guys would also take offense to that because they know what they've gone through. They know it's been a bumpy road. Um, not just the first couple of weeks of the season, but you know, the last couple of years, they're quite aware of that. But I do think that you have to take into consideration what they are doing. If you look at where they were back on November 15th, they're 12th in the East. And now you fast forward to January. And now we sit at the top that, you know, at number two. And the biggest thing that I do think that the question that everybody was wondering is, okay, is the defense there? You know, offensively, you got Katie and Kyrie, you got Joe Harris, you got Seth Curry. The offense is going to come, but what you've seen is that the defense has like improved tremendously. And a lot of that's because they've taken account accountability to starting off with defense. They want to make sure that they want to be that defensive minded team because they're aware the offense will be there. So the, the defense is fueling that offense. So I think that it's starting to, it's time to change the conversation. You saw the Nets and how they were able to play Milwaukee. Um, I know the Celtics is the team that that's that, you know, that's that one loss when you, when you look at those, you know, winning 16, the last 17, and we'll see next week when the Nets and the Celtics, I think next week's game is the game we're all like, we're all going to circle and then after that game, we're all going to probably reevaluate because we're, we're almost at the halfway point of the season. And I think then let's reevaluate and see. And you might change your mind. Both of you guys might change your mind about, oh, mm. it's time to really consider them. But I do think that they're putting everyone on notice and the guys really don't care what everyone else is saying. They really don't. They're just like, okay, whatever. They're letting basketball speak for itself. And I'm just sitting back and watching, enjoying the show. I've seen 12 straight wins. I'm loving it. It might be 13 tonight in Chicago. So you guys should sit back and enjoy. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, they could be they could be Boston from last year because what you just said sounds like Boston from last year. Beginning of the season, they looked terrible. They were like 12th or 13th in the Eastern Conference. And then they went on a run. They were the best team in basketball for 34, 35 games. And it looks like Brooklyn is on the same path. And I do look forward to that game, Megan, because... Last night, the Celtics gave up 150 points to OKC without Gildas Alexander even playing. 150 mm-hmm. points to the freezer. Are you kidding me? All right, so, yeah, that should, be, that should be a great game. And I don't believe you. Uh, thanks for joining us. I don't believe you. I don't think you're looking for a replacement. I think you're just fighting them off. You're fighting them off. I'm focused. I got work both. to do. It can be both. You can be fighting, fighting them off. And looking for a replacement because fighting them off don't mean anybody that stepped up. You That's guys right. are going to get me in Just trouble, so I'm gonna, I'm not going to let you guys walk into this. I'm not getting myself in trouble today. You know, it's a, it's a great day. <laughs> the Nets are playing this, great. Hey, we, hey, listen, we're not trying to get you in trouble, Megan. We just want a name or two. Who are some of the suitors? Nope. Let's, let's, give us a name. Give no, us a name. No. Hey, if you, if you know anyone, if you know if you know a great guy that'll you know, uh, my grandmother will love, my mom will love. You gotta be able to sit down, and talk to them. I got three sisters, so you got a lot of women that you gotta like impress. 
Um, if you know someone, he's got to have a cross somewhere. He's got to like believe and pray, all that type of stuff. If you know someone, let me know. Okay. We got you. All right, we got you. <laughs> we look out. We look out. We look out for our sister, Megan Triplett. Always great you, to Meg. hear from you. Great to see you. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, Vinny, you know how it is, man. It's, uh, it's, it's brother from another. We don't keep secrets, so everything is out for the family to discuss. Um, Natalie sent a, a text, to, I think to both of us. She said, I, I, I'm convinced that uh, Vinny has dealt with some real trauma in his relationship, so I don't want you to really incriminate yourself, but everything okay? Like, something you've gone through recently? Uh, you need us to help you out with, with any situation? What's up, man? In case, in case Natalie doesn't know, there's a character that I've played in, in various spots that I'm going to play on my new podcast. It's called The Love Doctor. So I am the love doctor. And who hasn't been traumatized in relationships? If you ain't been traumatized, you ain't been through nothing. That's oh, right. That's right. Don't take advice from a love doctor who's never experienced any heartbreak or caused some heartbreak. Right? It's a balance. <laughs> Good to see you, Vinny. You too, bro. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.